1: All right, welcome to Bet The Edge on Tuesday, September 20th. Thanks to everyone watching on our NBC Sports YouTube channel. I'm Jay Croucher. Here's Drew Dinsic. We're going to talk about both the Monday Night Football games last night and how we're rating those four teams going forward. We're also going to dig into the coach of the year market, uh, which had quite a shift last night. And then we're going to target one game in particular that we're looking at for next weekend's slate. Drew, how are you? And thoughts on the games last
2: night. I am tremendous. Last night was super, super fun. Eagles come through for me. Second half under in that Eagles uh, Vikings game, zero points scored thanks to all those red zone turnovers. Uh, You know, there were a couple moments where it felt like that was going to get out of control, point scoring wise. And then we end up with 31 total. Um, But uh, no, those were uh, wild games. The two home teams just absolutely dominating. Um, And For me and for anyone sitting in the betting world, it's tough not to wake up on a Tuesday morning after seeing those two games in primetime and not think, these are your best two teams in each conference.
1: Yeah, I like that. Uh, Yeah, I think going into last night, we thought that one of those games featured the Super Bowl favorite and the other featured a frisky contender. And the easy joke goes that uh, who's going to (laughs) stop the Philadelphia Eagles from winning the Super Bowl (laughs) after that? But uh, let's talk about one of the losing teams first because sure. I think they're almost the team that has to have their rating adjusted the most. And that's Tennessee who, yeah. even though they were 10 point dogs, they obviously don't come close to covering the line. They look dreadful. They don't look like a team uh, anywhere close uh, to the one that was a one seed last year. And now my uh, proposition to you is, uh, am I crazy to have the Jags favored in the AFC South right now?
2: You're not. And I, I woke up this morning and looked at that market and have been scratching my head ever since. Uh, They should not not even just be favorite. I think there should be a little margin. Um, Maybe I am being too reactionary on the Colts here and selling that team, but uh, I don't know what you you know these two of their easier games are behind them uh, and they have one tie and one loss. Um, So it's it's you know it's going to be you know it's going to be pretty quick here that that market crystallizes because so many of the high leverage games are before the bye weeks come um and so that's one market where if you're going to get involved i think you almost certainly have to act now um i would look a little bit more carefully at uh, sort of the intermediate part of the schedule for the jaguars they catch a humongous break this week the Chargers was sort of an automatically L on their schedule as you looked at the beginning of the season. Now that you may not have to face Justin Herbert potentially, or if you do, he's at least going to be somewhat limited in what he's doing out there. Um, so that is a, a huge swing and win probability for one of the games that you would kind of expected to take for them to take a loss. Um, but to go back to what do you do with the Titans in terms of a market rating right now, uh, I think they have to be in the bottom 10 pretty clearly uh, overall. I think that offense has to be considered kind of borderline bottom five. Um, And the defense, which I had somewhat high hopes for coming into the season, has sustained a couple of injuries, uh, notably uh, Landry and then a couple of the young secondary pieces just, uh, you know, haven't been able to stay on the field. And uh, that was apparent last night. They could generate absolutely no pressure. On Josh Allen, they had you know busted coverages left and right, uh, made the third quarter look very easy for the Buffalo Bills after they made a couple of adjustments at halftime. Um, and you know the schedule gets no easier for these guys uh, in the coming weeks. Um, they have you know one game against the Texans between now and Thanksgiving. Uh, otherwise, they're going to be dogs in just about every single game here. Uh, they you know they host the Raiders uh, as um you know this this coming week and you know i've seen some people make some pretty impassioned cases that the raiders are underpriced as two point chalk on the road there that if that doesn't tell you where this team is rating wise by the market it's uh it's it's not good um they follow that up with uh you know at the colts at the commanders into the buy colts again uh and then the texans game that i mentioned but then from there from the from Halloween till uh, till end till after Thanksgiving, you get the likes of the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Packers, the Bengals, the Eagles. Uh, it is it is uh, season is a wrap at that point uh, for this Titans squad. We could be talking about a three win team in December here, which is a long, 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 long way from what was expected uh, as they came into this season. So, um, if you're holding an alt win on alt unders uh, in terms of win totals for the Titans, I think you're pr- feeling pretty good this morning. Um, but again, over the long arc, this is good for the Titans. They should get uh, you know, Malik Willis some snaps, see if they have anything there. They are clearly going to move on from Tannehill after this season. Uh, and I think if you're looking at the Titans through that lens, it all starts to make more sense.
1: That Raiders minus two line, is uh, it's crazy. And it doesn't mean that it's wrong by any means. But, I mean, if you just think about the Titans being a one seed last year, not having a huge amount of turnover on the roster, outside of obviously A.J. Brown going to now being uh, a two-point dog to the 0-2 Raiders, who uh, snuck into the playoffs last year. That was the first-week playoff game last year. It would have been Titans at least a field goal favorite, I would have thought. Uh, But the Yeah. The other team um, that took a huge hit last night were the Minnesota Vikings, where obviously they get blown out. Uh, The Kirk Cousins jokes in primetime right themselves. I do think I wouldn't dismiss this team just because as badly as they played, they still had some just fluke plays that go against them. Irv Smith drops the walk-in touchdown, uh, which would have really swung the game. Uh, they should have had uh, the blocked field goal um, touchdown, like get tackled by the kicker, uh, which isn't ideal either. And then the, the end zone <laughs> or the close to end zone picks, uh, they really kill you as well. Uh, the Packers, I think, rightfully shift back into NFC North favorites. But, yeah. I mean, w- what, what do you do with the Vikings now?
2: No adjustment for the Vikings. That loss was situational in my mind. Um, coming off of a huge win against the Packers in week one where you put all your cards on the table. Uh, you go into the link, which is a nasty place to play in a primetime game. That, you know, that crowd was lathered. Uh, and I think in general, um, you know, Kirk Cousins obviously still has a ton of questions to answer about his primetime performances. Um, good, thing, good news, though, for Vikings and Vikings fans. They only got one more primetime game on their schedule and it's the Patriots and it's on Thanksgiving when everybody's going to be sleeping after eating their turkey. So no attention at all on Kirk Cousins for the rest of the season. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, real realistically, though, um, I did not upgrade them as much as the market did after that uh, Packers win. And I'm not downgrading them after this loss. Okay, interesting Well, no adjustment for
1: the Vikings You should uh, should
2: give the Cousins
1: family a call And uh, give them that comfort (laughs) Because I think uh, you're being as generous to them as anyone in America Uh, We'll get into the two winning teams I think we'll touch on them in the next segment When we talk about Coach of the Year But first, just a reminder If you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app Go download it now The contests are free and easy to play And you have a shot to win thousands this weekend By predicting what will happen in college football Major League Baseball And the NASCAR circuit and in the Premier League and there is also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the 49ers and Broncos in our Sunday Night 7 contest.
2: This football season points bet is bringing you a better way to bet live on games, which means before this ad is over, you can place a live same game parlay, bet on the next drive to be a touchdown and cash out your live second half over bet. So whether you are on the move or on the couch, do it live on PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app today and sign up with the code BETTHEEDGE to get a second chance on your first five bets up to $100 each. New customers only must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, West Virginia, Kansas, or Louisiana. Void where prohibited, Louisiana license pending in partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, first five bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the points bet website for more details. Gambling problem in Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Indiana, call one 800 with it in Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. And in Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. 1-877-770-7867. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800 800 Net gambling problem? Call 87-8 Hope New York or text Hope NY four six seven three six nine in New York.
0: Deets and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.
2: Reese's peanut butter cups are the
1: greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so. No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it!
0: You stumped this charming devil! Guaranteed.
1: Now, coach of the year. It's always a very interesting market. Broke my heart when uh, John Harbour couldn't cash my uh, John Harbour into Ja Morant, most improved player, 500 to 1 ticket oh. last season. But the market shifted quite a bit last night because coming into the week, Kevin O'Connell was just about favorite for the award, certainly in that top tier. Obviously, he takes a big hit after last night especially because he lost to one of the chief rivals in the market. And now as we look at it, Mike McDaniel is the favorite at plus 500. Then we've got Brian Daples, Sirianni, who made, makes the big move last night. O'Connell still lingering, Doug Peterson, my man, Dan Campbell, who we'll talk about, and then Brandon Staley Sean McDermott. Who right now uh, do you think is the most interesting at their prices?
2: I have to, I have to circle Sirianni. And Good. some of it is the top two in this market to me look like false favorites um this is not to take away from how these two men have started their tenure and in general if you are a new coach you have an advantage in this market because if you have surprise success in your first year the voters cannot help themselves they vote for you right Uh, so mcdaniel and dable being at the top of the board is a great story but I think the Giants ultimately exceeding expectations over the balance of the season is a tough ask. I don't think that's a very good team at all. I think they were relatively fortunate to be 2-0 at this point. In, you know, And I don't think anyone could realistically argue with that. Market is still rating them as the 30th best team. Uh, and they're, you know, their expected win total as of today, even having won two games, is about 6.5 so dable you can pretty much write off in my mind uh, just because of the weakness of the team uh, and mcdaniel is an interesting case because we kind of talked about this yesterday. Miami's schedule down the stretch is brutal. And if you, you know, if you go back to your experience last year and just in general how these awards sort of get shaped in the final quarter of the season, if you're not winning down the stretch, you're sliding down this board. And you look at the what the dolphins are going to be asked to do with Uh, You know, a back to back West Coast games against the Niners and the Chargers followed up by, um, you know, a road game at the Bills uh, and then, you know, uh, two cold weather road games, Bills and Patriots in December. Um, You know, that could potentially be three or four losses. Uh, And at that point, I think you pretty much are writing McDaniel off for this award. The flip side is Sirianni and O'Connell. They have two of the easier remaining schedules, Eagles, the easiest remaining schedule, Minnesota, the uh, fourth easiest remaining schedule. And so those guys are going to compile wins. I got to put Sirianni at the top for me from a price standpoint, because O'Connell still, like you mentioned, behind the Packers in the in the NFC North. So if you're not winning your division, it becomes that much tougher to get the, uh, uh, you know, to get the consideration. But, uh, you know, who do you make a case for at these prices?
1: Yeah, well, firstly, I think you make a really good point about McDaniel, where this award, I think more than any other, is skewed by recency bias. And so in pricing out this award, you almost have to project recency bias into the future. And the easiest way yeah. to do that is to look at the schedule like you did. And yes, if the, if the vote was held today, McDaniel would win uh, because the, the narrative is easy and he goes to check his car is locked four times and people really <laughs> like, like McDaniel and he's cool and he speaks well. Uh, So that's an easy one, but I agree with you on Dable too. Like that team just isn't going to be good enough. And if you're looking to price out this award, the main thing historically is that you generally have to improve from a single digit win team improve by four wins or more into a double digit win team. And the worse your quarterback is, the better chance you have to win because quarterbacks steal credit from coaches. That's why Matt Lafleur will probably never win this award because people don't know how to divide the credit up between him and Rodgers. And there's always just going to be an easier coaching situation to point to. So that's why I land on Nick Sirianni as well. He would be my favorite for the award. He would almost be tier one by himself just because I think there is a real chance that the Eagles are favored in every single game that they played this season. Yep. I think at Cowboys late in the year when Dak is back, that would be the only one. I think they'll be favored at the Colts. I think they'll be favored home to the Packers based on how they've played. So, you know, this if this is a 13-14 win team. And Jalen Hurts, who has seen his stock soar, I still don't think that he's going to steal credit the way that Aaron Rodgers steals credit from Lafleur. So I think that yeah. Sirianni is in the box seat. The long shots that I would look at two guys quickly, Sean McDermott, uh, who will have a lot of credit stolen um, from by Josh Allen. At the same time, that fifteen and two and sixteen and one is in play for the Bills, and if they just completely lap the league, it could be a situation like when uh, when John Harbaugh wins with MVP Lamar, or when Belichick won uh, a couple of times with Brady even not needing to have the perfect season like they did in 07. So he's one guy I would look at. And then the main guy is uh, my man, Dan Campbell, who are the Lions, who might actually be good, uh, and a 600 now to win the NFC North. Dan Campbell can't be plus 1,400 to win this award if the Lions are plus 600 to win the NFC North. If he wins the division and beats the Packers and the Vikings, then I think that he probably just wins the award.
2: Preaching to the choir. All of those points were just pitch perfect. Um, I would love, love, love the Lions to be competitive, at least through Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, get a couple of upset wins in there it would be just awesome for them to be in the mix for a playoff spot. Cause the NFC is otherwise weak and the NFL right now really needs like a positive storyline like that, like the Lions kind of just putting it together for a season. Um, just a kind of kind of the closing thought here for you. If the Eagles who have as we've mentioned a million times on this show the easiest schedule remaining if they win fourteen win fourteen games this season fourteen and three team and they are almost certainly going to be the number one seed in the NFC who gets any award right yeah. like the like the voters are literally going to start by looking at the standings and like wow we got to give an eagle an award uh, who's it going to be well there's no rookies really that warrant it there's no you know defensive player like are we given are we giving Jalen Hurts the MVP? Really? You know, like that, there's a mental block, I think, in terms of recognizing his, you know, what he's doing, uh, which I think by default, Sirianni is sort of going to be the, you know, the choice. Like, we've got to recognize this Eagles success in some way, Coach of the Year.
1: Yep, 100% agree. And that is so much uh, the, the point of these awards is that you're representing the season and the storylines of the season. And voters think about that. And if the Eagles are the one seed, they're going to need an eagle on their ballot and Sirianni above Hurts, yeah. I think will be the play come the end of the year. Okay, we're going to get into Patriots-Ravens in a second. But first, Matthew Berry's new show, Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, uh, is on NBC, on Peacock. Uh, I'm the co-host of that show. Uh, Matthew Berry is back doing what he does best, rolling out his love hate list, breaking down who to start and sit, and much more. He's also getting heavily into the betting. Uh, he gave out Stefan Diggs over 75 and a half receiving yards last night. He did that, did that, hit? that pretty easily uh, <laughs> 150 plus there. He also took Kirk Cousins under, I want to say, 275 and a half passing yards, and that one cashed with ease as well. So he's uh, he's riding hot. He's very happy about it. So plenty of actionable information along the way for sports betters. In addition, of course, to all the fantasy discussions. So check it out. Weekdays in the afternoon on Peacock at 12 p.m. Eastern and the Sunday Fantasy Football pregame show, uh, the second hour of which is on the main NBC linear channel. Uh, that starts at 11 a.m. Eastern through to 1 p.m. Eastern. You can also listen to the show in podcast form wherever you download and subscribe. All right, we're going to talk plenty about week three as the week goes on. But one game I wanted to highlight, just because I think it is a game where the line is interesting to people at this point. And that's Ravens minus three at Patriots. The total right now looking at 43 flat. Uh, Two weird teams uh, at the moment, I think, where the Ravens would have been an easy team had they held on to their 35-14 lead against the Dolphins in the fourth quarter, but they didn't. Questions uh, rearing their head about the defense there and then the Patriots uh, have had an ugly start to the season, but find themselves at one and one with the Ravens. What's your look here uh, at the minus
2: three? So market's been a little quiet here, a little push-pull at the price point of three. Um, And we saw the Ravens get as low as about even at the market-making shops before a bet came in this morning on Ravens uh, with limits up a bit. Uh, So now we're looking at about a flat three. I personally like the Ravens in this matchup for a couple of reasons, and you can go back to last week where, uh, you know, it's funny because I bet against the Ravens last week and I bet on the Patriots this week, and yet here I am now turning around in full zigzag and NBA playoff zigzag mode, uh, and I'm going exactly the other direction, but it's because of the takeaways of those two games. The thesis about the Patriots last week against the Steelers were they were in the perfect opportunity to make their offense look as good as possible and that was the best they could do. It was extremely disappointing. They barely covered that game and offense really just did not show show me much in terms of, you know, progression. Uh and I think honestly, they can probably come out of that game with some false takeaways. Like, oh no, you know, we, we got we 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 needed to run to put the game away and we did, you know, like they they you know, they were running against a an absolutely gassed Steelers defense that was missing their best player. Um and so I think now you turn around uh and you play a Baltimore team that has a clear weakness when they're up against speed and you don't have any players in on your roster that possess that attribute who can really make a game-breaking difference against you defensively and I think Baltimore's defense is going to be I'm looking for a performance that is much more uh in the you know holding New England into the 14-17 point range uh than what we saw last week where Miami just completely opened the top on them so I, you know, I do not think New England has the tools to do what Miami did in any way, shape and form. And on the flip side, I think Baltimore for me, I had them rated poorly offensively relative to market coming into the season because I just didn't believe that they had the weapons on offense to for Lamar to have any kind of jointed success. I figured it was entirely upon him, Uh, but he's already developing chemistry with some of these receivers. They're getting healthier as we go through. These weeks, one, two, three. Uh, And I think uh, with potentially with Stanley back, potentially with Dobbins back, uh, all of a sudden you are looking at a a more like a true strength uh, Ravens offense that has to be considered in the top 10 of the NFL. Uh, And, uh, you know, so with all of that combined, my fair price on this one is three and a half. Happy to happy to lay the three with Baltimore.
1: Okay, interesting. Yeah, I think with the Patriots, they're a strange team to price at the moment because I almost feel better about their loss than I do their win just because the loss against Miami, there was a lot of weird fluky stuff in that game. The Patriots get kept on getting stopped around the Miami 40, um, just drives happening to end in no man's land. They have the pick in the end zone as well. Uh, and I think... If you're looking at the Patriots defense, adjusting for opponent, holding Miami to 20 might look like a pretty strong performance defensively when everything is said and done. At the same time, the offense is very problematic uh, and Mac Jones hasn't been. I'm the biggest Mac Jones supporter there is, but he hasn't been great these first two weeks. So I think to me that's the most interesting matchup is Mac Jones against these This Baltimore secondary, which we thought coming into the season was actually going to be a very strong unit, and now looking at it where Kyle Hamilton hasn't been great, Uh, Peters Humphrey coming off the injuries, that's a difficult spot too. Uh, I do think that the Baltimore offense, certainly the ceiling has increased, which is how good Rashad Bateman has looked, and adding that um, explosive threat into the offense with Mark Andrews. Offensive line getting healthier too, Lamar, I think his stats have flattered him a little bit. He really should have had a pick six, the and Howard, against Miami. Uh, so I think three is fair. I wouldn't be rushing to back the Patriots at that number. I wouldn't be rushing to back the Ravens either. I think that is the right number. Uh, but I think that certainly we'll have a lot of clarity, especially about the Baltimore defense coming out of this game. So certainly one that we can revisit. Okay, that's it for us, Drew. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be talking a lot more about week three tomorrow and the rest of the week. So don't forget to check out mbcsportsedge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thank you for those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to subscribe and rate us from Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. Thank you very much. We'll see you tomorrow.